This is a Visual Audio Times original. Welcome to another episode of A Music in Time. My name is Osagi Alonge. Um, I have a very special guest in the house. He's an OG music critic, um, music enthusiast, Nigerian music, African music, if I should say. Tunde Adediron. First set of facts only. Yeah. Okay. So quick <laughs> backstory, right? And everybody knows him as Who is Tunde. So you check him out on Twitter. His handle is Who is Tunde. Um, backstory. I used to host a, a web series, YouTube web series called Facts Only. And Tunde was the first co-host, you know, before um, AOT2 took over. A lot of people don't know. <laughs> you know, because you, you you stayed in the background and, yeah, you know, sure. you didn't want any heat. I, and I was taking all the heat. But you were asking all the heated questions. As it should be. How you doing, man? I'm fine. Thank you, man. Fantastic, fantastic. So we're here to talk about Omar Babalo's Genesis, Davido's debut album. The album turns 10 in 2022, and I think it's worth talking about. So many things to talk about. But as usual, let's do the backstory, right? So there's a young guy called Davido. Little known Davido. Practically nobody knows him, right? He's in a group called B International. Where I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, back in, you know, based in Atlanta, okay, right? Okay. He's in a group called B International where um, Shinorambo is actually the, he's the lead artist, right? Davido is the producer and um, Beared is um, a, no, 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 like no. a drummer. Okay. He is a drummer. And that was the name of their group, right? It was like a, you know, music hip-hop group based in, based in Atlanta. This was way before Davido started um, um, singing, yeah. you know, he used to just make beats. As a matter of fact, I believe Mode Nine once told me that Davido shopped him some beats. Ah. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So this crew based in Atlanta, just you know, doing their thing, and Davido then just picks up music, and you know, he thinks he's good at it, and then they record back when, which wasn't bad. Yeah, record back when his first ever single in the UK. And they make their way back to, to Nigeria. They make their way back to Nigeria with the single. Um, but you know how the industry is. This is like 2010, 2011, right? So they are shopping the single around, but they are also looking for um, management, right? Yeah. Um, they approach Abuchi, you know, <laughs> who used to be MI's manager yeah, at the yeah. time. Yeah. Um, they had approached him to manage, but he passed on them. And they approached a young you know, young, promising manager himself, a music executive yeah. himself, Asa Asika, who had honed his skills at Storm Records. Yeah. He was like a young prodigy. Right? He was just like a prodigy. Yeah. Who's this cool, fun kid who's kind of connected to older label heads. Yep. And and they, you know, they they met up and, you know, that's where they, they say history, it's all history now. Start from there, man. Yeah. But that's that's where the whole thing starts from, right? That's where, that's the history of, of Davido, yeah. him being a producer, Turn artist and sticking to the arts. Even produce backwards. Like, yeah. Don't like produce, okay? yeah. Backwind. He produced backwind. Yeah. So that, that's that's basically Davido's origin story. I want to start off by playing backwind. All right. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
boys the hammer by just being an MC. After doing what needed to be done, they saying I ball too much like testes. Recognize a boss when you see one. Not in the same tax bracket as you belong. Like the next on Jurassic, pretty girls just to be long. So they started hearing me like we fun. To all the haters, index fingers more or less. My money the same color as more fresh. Not merchant like Muhammad, it's not me, Benjamin. It's whole nother class, not talking about what Ben's done like me before. But then again, it's okay. Tween now and then, your boy Joe, it's okay. See me share money like communion to last my flow too tight, like the lungs have asthma. So back when drops, right? And I remember I was a blogger at the time. Oh, I was I was a journalist at the time, journalist blogger. But I was in transitioning from a blogger to a journalist. I used <laughs> to work just at, entering inside the blogosphere. The blogosphere, right? <laughs> this this was peak blog era. Exactly, right? Peak blog era. Peak blog, blog era. Blog, music blogs were, were popping. If you were not on the music yeah, blogs, yeah, yeah, yeah. you couldn't That's, get your song played. No, no, and this was happening globally as yeah. well. So rap radar, all new hit hip hop, um, allhiphop.com, yeah. hot new hip hop. You know, the blog era was basically pushing and driving the music, most especially in Nigeria, because uh, music streaming apps were not popular. Yeah. As a matter of fact, there was, there was no Apple that, Music, no, I right? There was no Apple Music. Yeah, so it was iTunes. It was, yeah, you it either was had iTunes. iTunes or you had Spotify, and there was Deezer, but people weren't using these apps. Spotify people were. It was far, 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 because Spotify didn't um, done their Nigerian P that time. So, yeah. So it was basically just iTunes. Just iTunes, you know, so the best thing you could do was get your music on the blogs. People would download your, download your music for free. Yeah. It would go viral. Then you'd be popular. You could get shows. So it was that route, right? And and so that's the route, you know, the video took. And I remember, you know, my friend sending me the song saying, Asa had sent it to her and, you know, just told her to share it with anybody she knows in the media. Yeah. And I heard the song and, you know, the song was, the song was hype. It was, it was good for I mean, me. First, I saw the video first so i heard the song i saw the video so i was like ah, who's this person i was just then you know blogs first just, oh, there's this guy rich kid this is i'm like ah, i'm one of them ones so first single second single will probably just fade away but man <laughs> maybe wrong <laughs> and i think what drew us most to the song was the need to see feature yes what like who, who could get like need to see the one i now connected they were like oh is this asikas this is this one connected this one like, okay not bad and the the song was, I mean, when, when I first heard it, I was like, maybe, maybe not. Everybody was, was still skeptical, like, okay, then another single came, then another single came, then another single came there. How much did Nito C bring to the song? Like, how much attention? Was, was, was that what raised your eyebrow? Is that what made you watch the video? The Nito C feature. I think the verse is, I personally think the verse is forgettable. Yeah, the was, was, I mean, the was still, I mean, the was still at the height of his career, but so it wasn't really like, his verse was, I mean, it was I, nothing, no bars, no nothing, nothing funky, no peace, no nothing that we know the for. So I was like, okay, this guy going to listen on his album, I'll be on a single, fine, let's, let's listen to what he has to say. 
Yeah, I think I think you know the NATO feature really got everybody you know looking again at okay, who's this guy? Because get NATO on a feature, right? This is NATO. Yeah, and NATO hardly I think he hardly did feature. He hardly did features. If I'm if I'm yeah, very very selected. Yeah, very, I think very. up till then he probably had a there was a YQ feature dress code. He had done a feature with Omar Omi. I think he, he kept his features like closely knit to like that Storm family yeah. and maybe for his album. Yeah. But you wouldn't see some of the feature in the dossier. Like it was it was very, very rare. Yeah. Definitely. And and David produced the song himself. Yeah. Which which funny enough, I just found out like maybe last year or so. It was one of them them cheesy type because it sounded like a cheesy beat. When I found out I was like, ah, David produced the song himself. Then I went, I heard backstory to that we used to produce before he used to produce before like he came to Singing, yeah. singing, so yeah. And I mean, it was a Clarence Peters video production, so yeah, yeah. Money day, top quality, right? <laughs> Money day. So you have a Clarence Peters, you know, video. You have the budget, right? You have need to see. It's like big budgets, yes. right? And who's this small kid? And I, I remember, you know, him going for um, so many shows. Me attending like different shows. I remember the Hennessy artistry, you know, the pop up shows. And he used to perform Dami Duro first. Because back when was a bigger song, yeah. you know, the irony, right? Yeah. Looking like years later. So he would perform Dami Duran, people will know the record. Then he would perform back when. And he had, you, he always had with him Shino Rambo and B-Red, his cousins, right? He always had them on stage. Um, I remember Music Meets Runway. Remember yeah, that show? Runway, yeah. yeah. He, he performed at the show as well. You know, he was everywhere, just popping up everywhere. But people didn't really know who he was. Industry people kind of knew, but like general audience just knew, okay, there's this kid that has this song called Back When, and, you know, it's just doing his thing. And everything changed when he dropped the monster <laughs> single, Dami Duro. That was, that was like a cultural... This shock I want to use a culture shift. A culture shift. It, it, it was. It was kind of like unheard of. The way, because it was first of all, everybody was like, "Oh, damn it, damn it, that one just dropped." And everybody was like, ah, "What's going on here? Who is this kid? Should we give him the attention? Who, who is he?" And everybody both side writing about him. Oh, his dad is rich. Oh, is this? Oh, am I going the next two years? Oh, the song is not good. And it was like, Twitter was now popping then. So like, people were. Opinions are just flying in left, right, and center. And you know who David was. So he's he like reply all these guys, all these trolls. So like all those things just brought like attention to the music. And before you know, December came, was like the song just took off. And I don't know, the rest was history. You know, so. one key thing, right, is about Dami Dura is Dami Dura was released in January, the same period where Occupy Nigeria was happening. So for those who don't know, Occupy Nigeria is one of big, Nigeria's biggest protests yeah. where um, Nigerians were protesting full subsidy um, primarily in Lagos and then different Just pockets. NSAS, in, pre, NSAS, but... <laughs> yeah, NSAS, but without the gunshots. Millennial NSAS, are we, yeah. Yeah, NSAS without the gunshots. Yeah. So Nigerians pro- protesting full subsidy during the President um, Goodluck Jonathan era, right? And there was a lot of stay at home. So people were staying at home because, you know, National Labour Congress went on strike. Yeah. Um, Nigerian Labour Rather, went on strike and so people were at home and he had so much media budget that the Dami Duro, the video, the video dropped, the song dropped. I remember January. reviewing the song and I think I gave it like a negative review or something back then, you know. I think the whole album. Yeah, yeah no, we'll, we'll get into <laughs> that, but just to pick on the song, right? Okay. And so, but the song is playing everywhere. It's on every TV station and people are at home and this is what drove 
you know, the 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 acceptance of the record because you switched on your TV. It was almost as if, to be honest, I, in my mind, I, th- I thought it paid for like commercial slots, which in my mind was genius marketing. I was like, because after every commercial, like after every two, three commercials on like all those major um, TV stations that I used to play, you'd hear them drill. So you could not escape it. Your mom knew it. Your dad knew it. <laughs> the kids on the street knew it. You knew it. Like even if you didn't like the song, you it was in your head. How did it become a hit record? I, I think it was just blocks taking off to, like we, like we said earlier, and everybody was curious that who is this kid? Like, just like he didn't come with the whole, oh, there was hype. Oh, there's one guy that's coming. His name is Davido. Let's say so it just took everybody by surprise. So that was what, as in, it was just, just like a culture shock. Everybody was like, ah, who is this kid? Oh, okay, let's give him a chance. And I don't know, that was how it happened. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it drove him. The song became a hit record instantly. It's one of those songs that just drops and by next week is already a hit song, you know. And I think it's, we can attribute it to how the song, the construction of the song. So high BPM, the production is crazy. Yeah, Sheezy produced the record. And this is little known Sheezy who had worked with... Um, he worked with him in Atlanta too, have we? Yeah, but this this is Sheezy also making a comeback, right? So Sheezy had worked with My Hunter on the... Um, a rapper. Yeah, Ekaite, <laughs> Ekaite, yeah, Ekaite record, right? Yeah. And and he, wrote, he he rapped on the record as well. Then he had also worked with Mohits okay. at the time and, you know, produced like one or two records for Mohits. And there's this whole story of how somebody caught Cheesy and Wandekol, be, be, you know, behind or below the stairs, re- recording records together, right? <laughs> and that's how Cheesy ended up recording um, Shoddy Go Low 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 for okay. Wandekol. But that's another story okay. for another day, right? And so little known Sheezy who comes in, the, most, the, the record is a monster record. It's a huge record, right? And it just drives this guy into superstardom. But I also think it's the first time we actually get to see who Davido is. And I'm talking about like his persona. So the back when record, he's just saying back when and when I was broke, but now I'm doing well, which is typically at that time, the signature tune of every artist, right? So think about Timaya Teriji. Uh, back then, I don't get money. Now, nah, I don't blue, yeah. you know? But Dami Duro, he I comes know, out... Yeah, I know it's kind of different because the Nigeria's music industry as a whole, or, uh, most of our listeners, they tend to gravitate towards the being humble. Like, if you come on your track and you're like, oh, I used to sell paper before. I used to be... I used to be um, a tailor. I used to... Like, that grass the great story that people liked. But they just came in, man, I'm rich. F, F everybody, man. And everybody was like, who is this kid? Who is this proud person? So that, that's who kind of like drove the record. Everybody was like interested that, like, okay, maybe this guy has something to say. The hate, everything that came with it, his team was able to handle it well. Like, okay, let's just drive on this. This is what people want. And they just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And things just went from like January, um, summer, December, next year. And he drove on that record till like um, the buzz happened and the album came. Yeah. I mean, huge record. Remember the video? Yeah, yeah. Greece. <laughs> I think Vaseline, they put all over there. Was that video? Yeah. The, like, the yeah. video starts off with him at like a pub, right? And, you know, him and his friends are drinking like champagne bottles. There's oh, yeah, so many yeah, bottles, yeah. right? And yeah, he, somebody brings like um, the bill and says, who's going to like, pay for all this? And he gets pissed off and starts stacking yeah, exactly, cash like, and stacking oh, cash, right? So in terms of like the persona, right? This was the first time we then saw who the truth the video was, yeah. which is, okay, I'm rich. You know, oh, I'm Omo Babalu. Yeah. Typically meaning, you know, I am the son of oh, a very, one. very rich person, you know, and I'm here to just shut everything yeah. down, right? 
how did Nigerians and how like music critics and the media, how did they take that in? It was bad. As in, I think even up till now, it still gets like negative reviews or just off who he is alone, just off his persona alone that who oh, I'm a rich kid. Because like I said, Nigerians like people being humble and they really didn't come with that. So anything in order to judge him based on his music, they were judging based on his character a bit. Oh, he's rich, he's sports, daddy's money, all those things. So we were just used to, so everything that came with it was mostly negative but you just couldn't help but like the music. There was nothing you could do about it because a lot of rich kids that come before him, like I wouldn't want to mention this, but you know, people that own like radio stations and, and they used to plug their songs, but nobody was interested. So it was kind of like this guy that just came, negative reviews were there, but somehow the song just took off and the song just stood out and everybody was like, okay, I guess we'll give him a chance. Great. Let's talk about that music video again. Star-studded music video, Clarence Peters again, big budget. He shuts down Osborne Road in Ikoyi just for the video, right? There are like three different or four different scenarios. There's the, heli- the helipad scenario, yeah. rents out the whole helipad, right? There's also the beach scenario. Whiskey is in the video. Um, Burner Boy is in the video. Young, up and coming, <laughs> unbecoming, happy, unknown Burner Boy. Happy hug anniversary, you know, by the way. <laughs> yeah, happy hog anniversary. Um, um, Burner Boy is in the video. Uh, so many people are in the video, you know. Um, a lot of socialites are in the video as well. Like I said, Whiskey, who is yeah, a bonafide superstar yeah. at this time, right? Just one year or two years into his career, he's also in the video. Too many cosigns. Like, how do you get so many people if you are just up and coming? I think they just believed. Everybody just believed that okay, there's this kid, and maybe like you know, um, underground that that had like some of some of the singles, and the person who Davido was, you know, I'm pretty sure was very generous with his. Oh, you guys should come. There's Penny. There's there's, there's this. There's that. The video is going to be lit. So to get people, I don't. And who is it? like who we've even come to know him to be like is that person has just. Everybody wants to be around him. In terms, so I don't think it was, it would have been very hard for him to get like get people and all those industry superstars to just come to his video. Another thing I noticed in the video was he also had B-Red and Shinorambo. So he, from a very, you know, early stage, he had started to introduce yeah. the HKN crew, you know, and not just focus everything on him. What do you think? Why, why do you think he was doing that? Um, I, the HKN crew... Who they've become now, I don't. <laughs> as in the, you know, they've dipped obviously in terms of like being a group and everything. But he came up with them, so he could. There, there was no way he did. There was no way he would have, that he would have left. So when all of them came together, they were in the video, and I'm like, ah, what are these guys? And I'm like, so from an early stage, right? You start to see him introduce some characters we don't know who they yeah. are, right? The HKN crew, you know, typically B Red. And, and Shino Rambo. What do you think his strategy was behind that? I mean, he came from musical background. He came from ATL. So he had that family-oriented, oh, if I blow, these guys will blow. And before, David wasn't it wasn't like the lead singer of the group. He didn't used to sing. I think it was B-Red or... Was Shino Rambo who used to rap. Who used to rap. So I, in my head, like, I can't remember the interview David was I was. He wanted to be a rapper too. So there was no way those guys could have... Been together mm-hmm. and not come with like the heat and the fire they came with. So yeah, that's that. Yeah, let's listen to Dami Duro. Yeah. 
kid song big this song basically takes the video into a list category i don't think i've ever seen it happen before i've seen artists score Gradually get there yeah or score big records and yeah. still stay in their band but somehow this song just takes him to a list he gets an ntn MTN endorsement. He gets another endorsement. You know, he's already rubbing shoulders with some of the biggest artists. He's already getting on stage. They were, they were now oh. whispers that labels were already, international labels were, we're already talking to him. So it was, this is off one record. But with all that also comes a lot of controversy, right? So there's a lot of media scrutiny. There's a lot of public scrutiny, like you mentioned. There's a lot of critique, you know, from the music yeah. world, right? People who don't really like his voice texture or the kind of message he's promoting, there's that as well. Then from his own side, there's a lot of goofing, right? And I think the first major goof was pictures of him in bed with a lady, <laughs> you know, that leaked on the internet, right? Yeah. And the lady's taking the selfies and he's sleeping and probably had a good time the night before, right? Yeah. And this is 2012, right? That kind of stuff really makes the headlines. Might not make the headlines now, okay? I mean, nowadays, we see people eating shawarma yeah. in, in, in <laughs> videos and whatever, it not to mention anybody's name. culture shock, like I said. Yeah. So, Davido, Twitter, blogs, people were now, people were like, had the ability to like voice their opinion. So, it was, and I think the controversy somehow, somehow just always helped him. For some reason, you couldn't cancel him. You couldn't say, oh, because he, he just had the attitude of, oh, I don't give it. I don't give a whatever you people are going to say. Like, I am who I am. So his team, I think they really, really, really handled that. All the controversies were like, no, controversy after controversy. Like, oh, sleeping together. Then when it was, people were supposed to have canceled him, like, oh, this boy is a bad boy. But, because he already came up with that persona of I'm um, a rich man's kid, and people want to say, say, and the music, like I said, was there. No way you could cancel the music. There was no way. A lot of people also dotted on the fact that, you know, he's from a wealthy family and he's just using money to drive, you know, the music and the music isn't really great. What was your own perspective then? What, what kind of, I don't want to dig in your Twitter, <laughs> but what was your perspective I, I, back then? I, I, I leaned towards that in the beginning. But there was no way someone that talented, whether I like it or not, they were just talented. There was no way someone that talented could have that much clout, could have that hits, could have that much, I mean, this thing to still stay in like the news when everybody was trying to um, bring him down. So there was no way. I just knew that this boy, he's special. He's here to stay. Yeah. And so he drives up this whole attention. He takes the attention. He takes everything, right? And it, he, he, he basically rides on it. And, you know, it was controversy upon controversy. I remember there was something where the, um, the AIG of the police was looking for him. I remember walking at the net then and I put him on the front cover and I put like the wanted sign, <laughs> you know. And, you know, when he would see me at the shows and he would say, Mr. Osage, why are you doing this to me? I'm just trying to be an artist. <laughs> What's going on? Now? I Let's think then, like, we didn't really understand, like, artists have lives, like, outside social, like, outside, like, that music. Yeah. So we just used to judge them based on what we knew. Yeah. Like, if they just follow us, which, oh, the rich kid is sports. If um, this other guy is, is beating us, oh, the rich kid is sports. So we always judged, and we always let all those external, like, things they did cloud our judgments of their music. 
So that was that was like a big problem back then. So. Do you think everybody was just too harsh on this young boy? We, we definitely, definitely were. Very, I was very harsh. But even I think when I read the album, I was like, okay, above average, decent, which I still think now. But a lot of people trashed the songs, trashed the album. So we're definitely, definitely harsh on the boy. Yeah. And he's just 19. Just think about what you, you're doing, you're 19 with dollars and pounds and all and access to yeah, so much resources exactly. right let's go into the album so the album drops he 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 does a launch at Echo Hotel big yeah, huge ass long right yeah. everybody's there his dad this is the first time pictures of his dad then hit the internet nobody knew who his dad was right so this is the first time the pictures are hitting the internet people now know who his dad is that's started to believe after like yeah on, like, exactly so the backstory again is that his dad never wanted him to do music yeah. sent him out of the country hey focus on you know school. school and everything but the music still you know drew him back in and at this point he's trying to um convinces that right and so damiduro drops it's a huge hit it's a it's a national hit. Yeah. It blows up in the UK as well. And and then he does the 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 Echo Hotel launch, right? The launch at Echo Hotel. Yeah. It's huge. It's packed. Superstars. His dad is in attendance. This is the first time pictures of his Dangote dad. Dangote is in attendance. Yeah, you know, so. the richest black man in the world is in attendance. Come on. It's going to make news. Yeah. And so I remember, and I think I remember Dangote wearing like the yellow shirt. You know, <laughs> very iconic. You know, and he's there. And people start to believe. A lot of people start to believe. The 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 show was packed, and it then reminds me. And I think this is when the comparison started to started to come in play with Whiskey, because a year before Whiskey had also done, you know, Whiskey had also done his own album launch. Like I think it's same age bracket. Same age bracket, and the comparison started to you know come off at at that certain yeah. at that certain point. Um, I I I bought the album. I heard the album, and the first track alone. All of you, you know, and I'm listening to it. I'm like, what is this guy saying? It sounded I like a hip hop disc record. It actually was the, I, I remember buying the album. Like you still buy albums at 200 bucks then. Like, so I was so excited. Like, oh, the album is coming out. So I was so excited. Like I was praying for traffic to happen. Traffic, I, I started, and there was like, all oh, these guys, I still like hold all those. You see like 20 DVD CDs and then I bought, I bought it, popped it in. When I first heard all of you, I was like, wow, this boy is the real deal. Let's listen to all of you.
So give me your version of the backstory of all of you and I'll give you mine. I wasn't really a backstory person. I just saw the video of the song. I listened to the lyrics and I knew immediately the people he was sobbing. I was like, ah, could it be? Could it not be? So I'll leave the backstory to you to say it. Okay, so I had published an um, an article um, back then, you know, because I was I was basically following this whole thing, and I had people in their camps sharing stories with me. So allegedly, this is what the backstory is. Um, for the longest period, people didn't take the video seriously, like we just mentioned. Whether it was the media or the people from the industry, people kept saying, "Oh, he's just using his money to drive this thing," and he had a point to prove. Um, so remember when the Mohits crew split up? Yeah. Right? The band and went was, yeah. one way. Don Jazzy went one way. Dr. Sid, um, one day call, um, the Prince went with yeah. um, um, Don Jazzy, right? And K-Switch and Special Ed went with the bunch. Davido's camp was now very close to the bunch's camp for some, for some strange reason, right? And, and, you know, that's where Special Ed then starts becoming his hype man and all that. When he was putting the album together... He had reached out to um, to Whiskey at the time. No, he had initially reached out to Wande Cole to get the Wande Cole verse. Remember, he the formula for the album was very simple: motion to Mohit style, superstar style. He was trying to like remodel the same thing. Yeah. I need to just get myself the pop songs. I need to get myself the right songs, features, exactly. and I'll blow the melodies, and, and I'll blow the yeah. shit out of this shit. Right. So he reached out to Wande Cole. And allegedly, Wande Cole's team had requested for an amount of money and he found it as... Disrespectful. Yeah, you know, for some strange reason. But, you know, in retrospect, why don't you just pay? I mean, funny enough now, he, he, someone that would just give you the money and said, you know what, here's such an amount, come and feature my song. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or even just jump on people's exactly, songs for free. Yeah, I, so I, I guess... I guess has grown, yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess he also it, saw it that it, way, right? That, it, yeah, why do me the favor. Better, exactly. Yeah, so so he had... he, the, I mean, that, that you know, that shut down immediately, right? Between both managers. And he had also reached out to, to get Wiz, but allegedly... Right, there was this whole thing around somebody telling somebody, "Hey, don't feature with this guy or whatever." Right, and and so he just threw those features out of out of the way because he wasn't going to get it anyways, and he felt like you know the industry was just against him. So all of you is a big beef record, just sending shots to everybody, saying, "I'm bigger than all of you. Oh, yeah. I'm better than all of you." However, he then gives props to a few people he considers as legends. And it was the two baba. It was the bunch, and it was two. Um, so two baba, the bunch, and P Square, yeah. and those were the people he said he he kind of just healed. Yeah. And he said everybody else, I don't give a fuck about you. Yeah, was like you know what? Um, maybe then it was like no, I really don't give a fuck about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bigger than all of you. And the video came out, and that one too took off. Yeah. And I think this is what started, you know, that personification of the video as a hip hop artist. Even till date, you can see it in his character and in his aura, whether he's wearing like the big fancy yes, like chains, elements, yeah. you know, or a flashy pop star or the flashy pop star. So it's the big, you know, the big, the big gold chains, or he has like a crew. I think the video has the biggest crew called 30 BG. Like, yeah, literally and they have extensions of extensions of extensions, you know, or, or the artist designs or yeah. yeah, or the baby mamas, yeah, you know, exactly. it's just that hip hop personification and, Right from that video, he started to build it. The video looked like a 
it looked like a New York, you know, yeah. be, New York. You remember the video? Yeah. I think they showed the video in New York. In New York. Yeah. They showed a video on like a high rise, yes, yes. you know, somewhere in New York or so. And and that's what just started everything for, for, for the video. He also introduced the HKN crew. They were in the video as well. His manager was in the video as well. This was a time where managers not really, really yeah. in videos, you know. So it was also that whole hove them dash kind of feel, right? Where you put your manager in the video as well. And it was just the proper introduction to Shino Rambo, um, B-Red and, and, and co. And man, how did, how did you take the song? The song was, because I think um, back when Damidoro and all of you was like, that thing that just, all of you was like, that thing that just sealed it to like, oh, this guy has one, two, and there's a third one. And there's no way you can deny this guy is three hits and everybody was like, okay, this guy's here to stay. And in terms of like the crew as well, right? I feel like he was like really, really keen on pushing the crew. Trying to push the crew, he did everything he could. Like there was the they were featured on his album, I think like maybe two separate features or like three separate features. But for some reason, I think <laughs> Nigeria was only ready for one rich guy. <laughs> so at the time. At that time, so they were ready for only David O. So the guys really tried. They've, they've, they've had decent songs. They've had good songs, but nobody really sent them like that. Let's listen to New School Things featuring B-Red and Shino Rambo. Yeah, 
All that's is packaging. If you don't get that, then you are lacking. Yeah, Rex or Rex, yep, I'm stacking. And I know you love my swag, but you can't jack it. See, me, I'm in the game, y'all just practice. And if you touch me, you go wound just like Hectus. I'm the big fish in the water, no catfish. I'm the chef, and on your menu is your favorite dish. New school team, we really can't, you niggas can diss. Cause we finally on, man, the feeling is bliss. You niggas wasting your time, yeah, you taking the piss. If you snooze, you go lose, and I don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah, cause I don't give a shit. New school, so I can't carry last place. New school, new classmates, but they gon' hate me cause I have the new face. So, one other thing I, you know, noticed about this album is how David Doe was very conscious in creating music that would resonate with the audience, right? Like, it was either, he was singing in English, but he was also singing in Pidgin. He was also singing in Yoruba language. Like, he knew the audience and he really wanted to capture it. What, what are your thoughts? Like, he was very particular about this album. Like, this album, like, as I said, Genesis, it set the tone for what was going to become, like, the formula for what he was going to do on his other album, say minus the Son of Mercy EP. They would just follow this album's formula. Bangers, songs with melodies, songs in like Yoruba. This was where he was trying out all those little, little experiments with Kuro. Let's sing here. Let's do this melody here. Let's drop this club banger here where I can shout and be myself. And this set the tone for like albums that were going to come. That's dope. And, but you know, typically... It's a bit surprising, right? Because you spend most of your years in Atlanta. You think you just want to, you you really soak up that culture and that's what you want to deliver on your music. You know, you probably want to rap or just do your hip-hop banging beats. But, you know, he comes back, spends limited time here, then understands the landscape immediately. Like, what should artists be learning from that? Bro, you can't... He's even a very good example of... You can't force people to listen to what they want to listen when they're not ready. Take, for example, when he did the Son of Mercy EP. He was trying to push that whole Afrobeats thing that everybody was, is, is, is into now. Americanized Afrobeats. Exactly, Americanized Afrobeats, but nobody was ready for it. And I think he just kind of like learned from his predecessors, then the band, the Don Jazzies. Like, oh, if you want to do this, you have to put a little Yoruba here. You have to put a little dance song here. You have to... Because Nigeria crowd and this is like a, it's a very kind of like peculiar crowd you want to say oh i'll do lamba music today you can do lamba music and they won't listen you don't say oh i'll do real music where i put the english i put the lyrics into you can do it and they won't listen so it's always better to cater to your crowd he knew the people that were listening to his songs he knew damn duro was a hit so he just kind of like tailored every other thing he did on that damn duro put everything like in the album 
had a little dish, a little did there, and that was it. I think one song that really stands out and really defines um, what we've just talked about is Ikuro, where he it's a love song, right? And the chorus is in Yoruba. And the chorus just cuts across different generations. So young people can sing it. Um, um, middle-aged people can sing it. And older people, is nostalgic for them because it samples like some folklore, yeah. folklore and, you know, older records. So it's like really smart. And I think one thing, you know, you have to give him credit for was how he would get like different writers in the room um, to create the music and not just say, you know, I, I'm going to do it myself, you know. Um, and I think the background for that was because he was a producer. He already understands the power of collaboration. And Ekuro became a single on its own and took I'm off. I'm sure they didn't even plan for it, but when it just came out, they were like, okay, people are really feeling this. This is this is how it goes. So Ekuro now mirrored what he did and all those singing songs, all those, um, what was that song? Fire and fire, all the, all that. It was just like Ekuro 2.0. So the video is very smart when it comes to like making records. Like putting his ear to the ground, like he learns, like he has that Drake formula where there's like, oh, this is popping, or these guys are popping, let me bring them close. So that's what he did. Boy, a lot of people, like boy, a lot of producers in, boy, a lot of songwriters in, and he created fire. Let's listen to a choral. Yeah, when I look into your eyes, you're a blessing in disguise. Yeah, you make me wanna do this. Ring around the roses, and I love the way you smile. While I give it to you nice hey. When I'm with you You give me this sort of feeling in my heart When I see you You give me this sort of tingle in my heart When I'm with you You give me this sort of tingle in my heart When I see you You give me this sort of tingle in my soul
Shout out to Shizzy for producing um, Ikuro. Shout out to Shizzy for producing 50% of the album, like the bulk of the album and yeah. like the foundation of the album. Yeah. Shizzy kind of handles, you know, most of it, whether it was Damiduro, All of You, Ikuro, um, other records like, I mean, he produced um, um, Dollars in the Bank, um, Bless Me with Mehdi, um, there was this other record overseas with with Chino Rambo, right? So the the records with the HK and crew produced most of those records as well. In terms of production, what does the album sound? What did the album sound like to you back then? The production was then I joined the Hashley because the production was all over the place. I didn't know who Davido was. We didn't like have anything to like judge him on. So it was just like different producers, different beats. Um, they didn't, it wasn't, the album wasn't, we all synced. All of you started, before you know, you're hearing Damiduro, under it, you're Shade, before you know, you're Okuro, like it was just all over the place. Like they just, but you know what, do you have a song for me, bring it, do you have a song for me, bring it. So it was kind of like scattered. Production was solid, was scattered. Made And it was 17 songs, even then, 17 songs long. Yeah. So like, you just have to like skip some songs and take the ones you like. And so the album was like a scattered album. Very decent production. Obviously, all the guys were Malik Berry, Shizzy, Gospel. All those guys were on the top of their game. But in terms of like l- listening, um, what, 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 what language should I use? That listening pleasure that you have, you, you, you didn't get it from this album. Yeah. Yeah. Um, correction, actually. Gospel on the beats made all of you. So I, yeah. I, 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 I attributed it to Shizzy earlier. So like you said, yeah, Shizzy's on the album. Malik Berry's on the album. Gospel of Beats on the album. Jay Sleek is on the album. Spells is on the album. Dr. Frabs is on the album as well. So it's it starts started, right? But like you said, it's very individualistic. It wasn't very coercive. Yeah, it's not, it's not a coercive album. But if you listen to the songs, you know, one for one, in, you know, differently, like you, you enjoy it. Right. Um, um, but as an album, you know, it's probably not the most coercive album, say like a Dibanji's The Entertainer or, or Nice's Gongwaso. Yeah. Um, would you attribute that to him working with like several producers or he, I mean, yeah, to be, and to be honest, he didn't have any, like he couldn't go, he couldn't go wrong in terms of like, it was a debut album. If anything happened, they would, they would just take, oh, this, this worked, this didn't work. So, like, I, I wouldn't really, looking back now, I wouldn't really blame him because the video albums, now you listen to it, it still has that same formula, like, the hits here. The, the individual songs are high performance. Exactly. They perform exceptionally, right? Press play. You're going to just find yourself, like, skipping some songs. Maybe there's a melody song here and doesn't really follow and doesn't really blend into the next one. So that, that's, that has always been my problem with the video. But knowing him now, you're just taking for, like, who he is. So if you go into a individual album and say, oh, you want to listen to a well thought out album, the album that starts from the beginning and like you press play and you leave it, you are, you, are looking at, you are looking for the wrong album. Like a made in Lagos. Exactly. You are looking at the wrong person. And so he focuses more on individual brilliance of, exactly. of each like song. This is going to bang. This is going to bang when I'm on stage. This is going to bang when I'm going to a wedding. This is going to bang when I'm in your car. Those kind of things just brings everything together, puts it in one album and his fans love it. Would you say that is why Davido has largely been successful without albums? You know, he's gone on like a four-year run where he, isn't, he hasn't dropped an album, but he gives you fire, he gives you if, he gives you fall, he gives you like that, right? Like that 2017 run, no album, but back-to-back singles. He can give you four to five singles in a year and they are all huge hits. He just does albums because as an artist, you are kind of like required to, for people to like go say, oh, you're an artist. 
leave David do it alone. I'm pretty sure we'll just give you like four song EP here, five song EP here, or a mixtape here and there. So if you or just or just singles, or just give you singles because I just jump on other people's art and um, jump on other people's songs, which has also worked well for him. Where the other guys are going to be like, okay, I don't really like this guy, or I don't really like this guy. David do is going to jump on the song. It's going to blend the genre. It's going to jump on our piano. It's going to jump on. This is going to jump on hip hop. It's going to jump. So he just knows the winning formula. He has taken from the likes of Drake, so the likes of them guys that feature. I know that collaboration helps. Mm. So high energy, high BPM. That's how the album sounds. How did this album fit into the whole Afrobeat narrative? If you look at it, you know, in hindsight now. In hindsight, the album. Well, an above average album to me, even though a lot of people bashed it. Going back to it now, if I had given it, say, a 2.5, then now I still give it a 2.8. Because, like we said, there's no, like, nostalgic feeling, like, listening to the album from beginning to the end. The songs that, obviously, the hit songs that give you all those feelings that you had, like all those, oh, like the club, like watching the video concert. But when you press play on that album, just listen to it, you know what, okay, I like the song. And you're like, press play. Skip, skip, skip. Oh, I like the song. Give the song. So, about like, like we said, it works for David Doe, and so I don't think it should change what he's doing. One song that stands out in terms of production for me is Malik, the Malik Berry produced video. I think it's just a brilliant song. The production is just amazing. You know, I heard it the first time. I had to go to the, the album sleeve and say, who produced this? Yeah. You know, and it was Malik Berry. And this is, you know, young Malik Berry also finding his feet. Thank you. 
let's talk about collaborations today. He has Ice Prince on this album. He has Nato C on this album. He has Tubaba on this album. He has K-Switch on this album. He has Midi on this album. What's your... What's... Uh, he tried He tried getting Whiskey. He couldn't get Whiskey on the album. He tried getting One Day. Couldn't get One Day on the album. Um, in terms of like caliber of the artist, what do you think he was gunning for here? Um, heavy features. So with the heavy features, with the heavy names, when you see it, you'd want to listen. And it was like a thing back, a thing people used to do then to like just whoever is popping, bring them on your album. Ice Prince, the Ice Prince's feature, funny enough, is one of my, <laughs> one of the songs I like on the album. Like the album was, as the last song was very, very smooth. It was just kind of like underrated. I don't know why. Maybe they just didn't push it for some reason. They shot a video. Yeah. Yeah, but everybody had moved past it then. So he just did what everybody was doing at that time. Just bring uh, everybody that was winning. And I think he had the clout. He had the money if he had to give them money. So the features, I, I wasn't really mad at them at all. Yeah, I kind of like the features too. Interestingly, the, the record with Ice Prince is also my favorite um, feature. I also like the record with, with, with Tubaba. Yeah. yeah, or Two-Face. I mean, yeah, he was Two-Face then. He's two, yeah. he's two Baba now. But yeah, I like that. I like that one. I think um, Two Baba's like, you know, verse was another exceptional, yeah. exceptional verse. But the record with Ice Prince was so, it was again, it was that, Version Melody, of, yeah, yeah, that, that yeah, melodic yeah. version of the video, uh, you know, and and the subject matter at this point, he was also not flossing. Yeah. He was um, very solemn and he, he almost, almost, you know, sad. You know, it was the, the story of the song is the girl is leaving him and he's trying to get the girl back, you know, and all that. And, you know, with the video again, he was in the bathtub with the water. You know, Ice Prince was superstar Ice Prince. It was super Ice Prince thing. So he did his thing. I think that's like my favorite feature as well. So we listen to Feel All Right. Yeah. All right.
get to the reviews, right? Let's get to the media reviews. There was so much bashing, so much bashing on this album. And I'm going to start off with, um, you know, some of the, the articles, right? I, I opened the Wikipedia page of this album just to read some of the, the articles yeah. right here, the reviews here. Um, I am a tire of Nigerian Entertainment Today, <laughs> right? Awarded the album... <laughs> 3.5 stars out of 5, criticizing its producers for falling or failing to cover up Davido's uh, failings as an artist. Yeah. Um, Tyre also opined that Davido's songwriting skills could be better and his voice could be better groomed. Toby Amor of Hip Hop World Magazine gave the album one star out of five, yeah. extensively stating, Davido's debut album fails to strike that balance. Not only does it not have enough hits to leave any impression as to his talent as a recording artist, it possesses too many songs of the same mediocre quality, leading you to wonder if there will be a follow-up attempt or if needed, there would, you know, if if, if indeed there would, there would ever be. Yeah. Um, I, I remember Ayo also writing something. I penned this thing down here because it's actually very interesting. He says, Obio, the Genesis, is a satisfactory album from a 19-year-old who succumbs to the thinking of most teenagers money can solve everything. <laughs> so, you know, the media just bashes this yeah, album. Yeah. And let, let me tell you, so in case people are like, go back, let me tell you what I said about the album. I, I was actually going to read it out, but <laughs> read it out yourself. Okay, like, this is the bad debut album. I expected more, so I was a little bit disappointed. There's no standout song, man, as the singles we've heard before. And please, please, and please, <laughs> do allow Shila Rambo rap. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And and you know, your your blog at the time, should you bump this? I think yeah, you gave it 3.5. Yeah, which is not bad, right? Yeah, which was decent. Yeah. Because I was like, this guy that one sounds decent enough. But I think most people that like I like we said earlier, judge them, judge the album based on who David was, based on the controversies, based on the fact that I was a rich kid, based on the fact that I didn't really send anybody. And we just kind of like pulled those things together and we we're like. Yes, this album is whack. So you can say, you can categorically state that the media was biased in reviewing this album. The media was very biased. Very, very biased. And that's a majority of... Like, I remember the twist that came with it. Like, a lot of people just like, no, this... Like, album, this album is trash. This album is... This album. But now, I'm, I'm sure, like, looking back, people will be like, you know, this album wasn't really that bad if you, if you listen to it. Seven singles. Yes, yeah, Out of 17 songs. Seven singles. Bring out seven singles. And let's see four of those singles were hits or five of those singles were hits. And you have a decent album. You have a decent album. Yeah, yeah. I mean, seven singles and 10 other songs are not bad songs. I would say out of 17 songs, I can take three or four songs off this album, but the other, you know, 14 or or 13 songs, I think they were, they were, they were really good. Yeah, I think if people go back to the album and listen to it, they would be like, oh no, we actually judge this album actually. Was the, was the general public's... Um, perception of the album the same with media or different um, or did media influence directly influence I think media influence because I think the general public too like it was still those it was still the singles too that they wrote on to like nobody really like had time to like went back to listen to that album that were in popping I remember then it was very very hard to come to get music like if you're not like if they didn't put the music in your hard drive uh, your CD drive or your phone or you put so was the singles they were putting, obviously, or the songs that popped. So I think those things kind of like affected like the... It, it didn't perception. Really affect, yeah, it didn't really affect the perception, but people didn't really go to the album. If you're not a music head, you wouldn't like listen to the album because... The singles were big enough. They were big enough to like, okay, this album is decent. Hmm. And about the impact of the album, you know, it just followed that same pop album formula and kind of validated it, right? Yeah. So we saw it with Mushin to Mohit. We saw it with Superstar. And he kind of took it from those two playbooks and, you know, did the same thing. And then we saw it with like Kiss Daniel, Ricardo Banks. Other people tried to follow that yeah. same formula. Sean Teasel as well. You know, good songs, good hooks, banging beats, a couple of nice features. Let's go. Yeah. So that's how, that's how it has been. Like, I think this album, Love It or Hate It, it actually done a lot for David Doe. I feel like this is the album they... they I just set the tone for him, like, oh, what do you do on, on Genesis? We put this here, we put this here. And they learned a lot from the album. They learned, like, what to put, what not to put. Like, on the other albums, I think the features that were there, he didn't really, like, come with his gang again. So, like, they just knew what to take out yeah. and what to keep yeah. going forward, which has worked for him up till now. And the album went on to win the best R&B pop album at the Headies, beating Yaya's Desire. <laughs> Beating Banky W, Banky yeah, exactly. R&B W, beating Flavors Blessed, and beating Two Babas Away and I mean, Beyond. I don't agree, but yeah. I mean they've done what they've done, and the album has won. Yeah, I mean it won. Yeah, yeah. It won, yeah. but it lost out to it lost out to Olamide's YBNL in the Album of the Year category. Yeah, which is um, not bad at all. Replay value. Do you until I called you? Did you ever listen to the album? Um, no, I did. Cause the thing is. You, you are better off listening to like a David Doe Essentials or like a David Doe playlist. So like, to go back to this album, once, once you, like now, say once you just see 17 songs, you're already like, I don't know what it is about us nowadays and just saying 
songs that have passed over. You just you just clock out. So I, when I went back to it, play when you told me, I was at seventeen. I'm like, what? I just picked out all the songs I like, listened to everything again. I was like, okay, this album. If then we just the Ashley and we're like, okay, two point five. Now we just sprinkle like two extra two to it, extra three to it, just for that nostalgic feel. Yeah. But in terms of like we play value, it's not an album I personally go back to all the time. So, and and he also moved on pretty quickly from the album as well, right? Once he was done with the singles, the album dropped. I think a few months later, he dropped Gobe which wasn't on the album and he just moved on from there. So I think everybody just kind of yeah, said, okay, all right, on. let's Something move on. Nigerian artists still do like, once they, they, they their single lifespan or their album lifespan on albums is very short. Like drop something, next year they moved on, they highly promoted. So like, I think that how it's happened. All right, let's end this episode with Bless Me featuring Medi. Remember the record? Sure. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Tunde, thank you so much for coming through. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Tell us where, you know, people can find you. Um, so you can find me on, I'm on all social medias lurking, but I'm on Twitter, tweeting my thoughts of music. What's your handle on Twitter? Tunde. Who is Tunde on all social media platforms? All right. Thanks so much. We'll sign off with Bless Me, featuring Mehdi. Did you ever think that you would do this rich? Did you ever think that you would have these hits? Did you ever think that you would be the dawn? I would do you with the 50 echo line. Did you switch? Did you ever think that you would have these hits? Did you ever think that you would be the dawn? I would do you with the 50 echo line. I never ever thought that I would be right here today. You helped me face my greatest fears and conquered all the years. And now I'm getting money, now I see your love is true. And everything I got today, I owe.
think that you would do this rich? Did you ever think that you would have these kids? Did you ever think that you would be the Don? Have a career with the 50 acre line? Yeah. Be this rich? Did you ever think that you would have these kids? Did you ever think that you would be the Don? Have a career with the 50 acre line? Yeah. Forever, back, whatever. Maybe the enemy up together. And you know the motto, new school things, and we gon' be rich forever. I'm for a back, but never. Maybe the enemy up together. I promise you, my brother, we gon' be rich forever. This episode was produced by Osagi Alonge, audio mixed by Lord Phil, and is distributed by Visual Audio Times.